everybody. Today, I wanted to explain to anybody who has ever chatted or discoursed or argued or discussed anything with me, why it is that I am so distrustful of studies and research and, you know, these, these papers that are put out constantly that are quoted often in articles that are shared on Facebook and that are, you know, emailed to people or brought up in conversation. I hear these things all the time. And, you know, I'm having a conversation with somebody and they bring up a study and it's like, boom, that's the Trump. I have nothing to say about that study because this study is saying X, so you're wrong. I'm like, I don't know if there's anything correct about that study. And, you know, if you've ever talked to me, you know that this is something that I bring up a lot as I say, I do not like who did the study. Why is it legitimate? Did they have a proper approach to things? Like, just because there is a study done, like, I could do a study just knocking on doors and asking random questions. It doesn't mean that the study is appropriate. And just because you find it in the Washington Post, in the New York Times, in uh, all, you know, uh, Vox or The Cut or uh, Quartz or any thousand different, you know, places, legitimate and illegitimate, does not make it good or truthful. And I wanted to give you, excuse me, a an example now what's funny is this it's um 7 30 right now p.m and i started this thing like this morning i was gonna do a quick little video um you know at the beginning of the day and it took me like eight hours to go down all these rabbit holes and i just you know and i'm still not even close to being finished so i just figured i'm gonna give you just an idea of why i'm you know with one example concrete example Um, of why I'm so distrustful of studies. And, you know, and and I'm going to say that I could be wrong about certain things. And if you find a flaw in my logic, if you find a flaw somewhere in what I'm saying, please let me know. I want to know where I'm wrong. But I, I, I look at this stuff and I just can't see how it's, you know, not you know, it's not inappropriate. So this is an article. Now, now to be fair, I want to be clear that this particular article is a letter to the editor at the Washington Post. False accusations of rape, which are rare, should not be the priority. So basically what this um, person is arguing is that the GOP, especially after Me Too and the Brett Kavanaugh, they're saying, you know, the, the uh, Republicans and the people on the right are saying, well, there's this huge false accusations and there's, you know, this is one of the arguments that they make, which people on the right do make that argument. Well, but, you know, what they're actually saying here is a broader argument and a broader discussion to talk about, you know, these kinds of deep issues, which are important. And I want to say as a disclaimer, before I go into this, that I'm not going to be, or I'm going to try not to, you know, every time I mention rape or sexual assault, assault have to say, oh, it's such a terrible thing. I didn't mean to say it like that. It is a terrible thing. But what I'm trying to get at is I'm going to be looking at the data and the goal is just to kind of look into it. Obviously, rape is a horrific thing. Any kind of assault is a horrific event. You know, I've been in fights and I've been beaten up when I was younger, you know, when I was in in junior high by multiple people. That's horrific. Is it worse than rape? I don't know. I don't think so. I've never been raped. I don't know how horrific rape is. It seems like it's pretty much one of the worst forms of, you know, assault that you can have. So, 
you know, I, I, I would say that there's probably physical torture on an extreme level. Putting someone's head in a vice is pretty horrible too. And, uh, you know, mobsters have done things of that nature. So the, at least in the movies. And, uh, the, the point is that it's a horrific assault, but we're going to be talking about stats, and that's what I want to focus on. Okay, so here's what, one thing I want to look at, and this is, you know, I was reading this, I was looking at, you know, rape statistics, and one of the reasons I was, you know, looking at this is I've just been noticing, you know, um, there's all these accusations on both sides, and people are making these very broad socioeconomic, sociocultural, sociopolitical statements like, oh, we can't talk about, you know, sexual harassment. Me Too is a problem because false allegations. But that's not a good answer because Me Too has brought up some very, very legitimate things that nobody has really, or very few people have properly addressed. And moving forward, we need to think about those things more and we need to understand them. And, and it is a good thing to know you know, the the differing uh, problems that were not just minor incidents, right? That's something that Me Too brought up is we thought that, oh, yeah, she's just exaggerating. She's not, you know, this is something that we thought, you know, a lot of people would say in the past. You know, he was just hitting on her. But then it, it turns out that 10 women were saying, no, he didn't hit on us. He grabbed us in, bad, you know, in inappropriate places, multiple occasions, and, you know, despite being told not to do it. So the point is that Me Too brought out these things and made us think and should make you think, hey, okay, we need to look at what's going on and we need to ask real serious questions. On the flip side, you can't go around and saying, start saying things like, you know, rape allegations are rare. And there's another um, article uh, by The Cut, almost no one is falsely accused of rape, which on the face of it is just a silly statement. But the question that we're going to run into before we go into deeply into this thing is how do we know these types of things? Where, where are they getting that? Because, you know, one of the things they're going to talk about is this study, or is this uh, quote here, which you'll see some version of this over and over again. And it says, a review of the research by the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, um, national, the, the National Sexual Violence Research Center here, Resource Center, <clears throat> shows about 63% of sexual assaults are never reported and only 2 to 10% of reports are false. But you're going to see that over and over again. You're going to see something around those numbers. You know, here, here's another thing. This One commonly cited figure holds that 5% of rape allegations are found to be false. But that picture paints a very incomplete picture. But that figure um, paints a very incomplete picture, says Belknap, um, the a sociologist. Typically, this figure comes from studies done on college students, an estimated 95% of whom do not report their assault by police. Now, if your flags don't go off there, they should. You should automatically be thinking, oh, wait a second. 95% of, of whom do not report their assaults. 95%. So how the hell do you know if they didn't report it, how do you know? So that, that should be a, a big sign of like, <laughs> something smells off here. And I'm going to refer to a great article by Dr. Ben Baer, who, um, you know, you could just Google Ben Baer, uh, sniff the sniff te test, developing a critical nose for news. And it's actually a series of articles, but he talks about, you know, 
how, you know, you wouldn't, if you sniffed a melon and it didn't, it smelled funky, you wouldn't eat it. So why would you swallow, you know, bad news stories and bad, you know, things in news? Now, um, he has five different things. What is the source of the story? And how do you, you know, what do I know about it, et cetera, et cetera. I'll let you look into it. But it's important because there is a surge of more and more news reporters, of more people, you know, more journalists, I think, than ever before in the history of the world are in existence today. So let's look into this. So if I click here, it's going to, where it says, uh, resource center shows. So this is the, the link. One tip I'm going to give you is when you see something like this, like a quote that is a fundamental part of an argument or even any kind of argument, you are, if you don't click on it, you should not just accept it. You should just say, I don't know if that's true at the most really. And you should not be spreading this around at freaking bars and coffee shops. And when you're having conversations with people, unless you at least take the time to go into this a little bit and look into it. So if you click on that, that it's going to take you to this. Now, this is the report again by the national sexual violence resource center, which I'm going to point out when you look at the, the national resource center, this is a policy advocacy group. This is a group that is not fundamentally about research. It's not an academic place where it's about research. Research. It's about stopping sexual assault, which is a good thing. We should have that. But you have to be careful because if all you want is to stop sexual assault and, and to stop rape, and you're, you're, um, one of the things we're going to look at is, is one thing that happens is the conflation of these words. We're going to kind of take a look at that but like, here's their philosophy and, and their guiding principles. And this is in the about section of the National Se Sexual Violence Resource Center. And, and, you know, this is explicitly what they're about. Whether you agree with it or not is beside the point. But we believe sexual violence is rooted in power inequities. And so, you know, that well, I'm just going to stop there. You know, and as well as connected to the forms of oppression, including uh, ableism, adult. So this is they're they're from the concept, the philosophy of intersectionality. So this is the report that this you know individual pulled a study from, and which multiple people pull studies from in one form or another. They're all getting now. If you dig down, you'll find that they're all getting their stats from a particular place, and this is important. Is you're gonna, you know, I saw this. This is uh, Men Against Abuse Now at Stanford. Uh, male uh, feminists, which I think are the most disgusting creatures on the planet, but only about 2% of all, does that look familiar? 2% of all rape and related are, are determined to be false. Okay, they saw it again. So, but you can look that up and you'll see that over and over and here, over again. Now, going back to the Washington Post article, remember we clicked on shows, this 63% of sexual assaults are never reported. So you click on that. Okay. So here's where this is coming from. This is a, an, an overview by this policy institute that is trying to, um, you know, have, here's what it says, diversity. And it's, and it's um, playing out its, its uh, philosophy that sexual violence is rooted in power inequities and so on and so forth. And, and here's what the, this quick overview, it's a four page, which is okay. There's nothing wrong with an overview, but here's what it says. The majority of sexual assaults, an estimated 63%, are never reported to the police. So this is different than other places, but you're, you're still getting the same kind of thing. The prevalence of false reporting cases of sexual violence is low, yet when survivors come forward, many face scrutiny or, encounters, or encounter barriers. So this is another discussion to talk about. But the, the point is that we're looking at 
the next thing is, again, we're trying to figure out, like, can we trust this study? Is this accurate? Is this something to be, you know, actually expressed and shared on Facebook, to told to our kids, told to our friends? When we're on a date, we talk about this crap. Like, is this something worthy of discussion? Um, you know, or, or is it, you know, as fact, is this a fact that 63% are never reported to the police? Well, okay, so it has, you know, those little things from, from high school, whatever, where it's got the, here's the source, Renison 2002. So you scroll to the bottom, you find, um, where is it? Renison 2002, reporting to police and medical attention. And you start looking at where this stuff comes from. So false reports moving beyond issue. And when you dig into these, you see this is BJS. That's the Bureau for um, this guy, Bureau of Justice Statistics, selected findings. Now, this comes from a broader study, which you can look at as well. Um, something like the National Victim Survey, National Study of Victims, or something like that. I have, I have it somewhere. But anyway, uh, I can actually, here it is. The. National Crime Victimization Survey. So this is a major thing. And when, what, you'll, what I have found is that the National Crime Victimization Survey is quoted everywhere. 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 Everyone is referring to this. So now we have found the original source of all these hundreds and maybe even thousands of articles and the, the millions or tens of thousands at least of people, hundreds of thousands of people who are talking about, you know, when I've talked to feminists or people, I've had people on my show, the RV Odyssey, where I talk about like uh, when I've had feminist thing, feminists on the show and they bring up stats like this. And I've always wondered, like, well, how, where are they getting this stuff from? Um, and is it accurate? Again, when you talk to me, I say, I don't trust studies. Just because you throw out study, you can't say science. And that's, you know, science isn't fucking magic, man. You got to actually think and go through it and see, did they do a proper method? Did they, you know, actually do science? Are they, are they you know, actually go through the scientific process? So here's where this is coming from, or, or some of the stuff. And you'll see a whole bunch of stats in here. And if you go to the Nash, oh, how is it? I'm always there's so many acronyms. My mind is about to blow up. If you go to the National Crime Victimization Survey, and they do these like every other year, I believe, or every year, you're gonna find these kinds of things reporting to police. So again, we're talking about women who do not do and do not report a sexual assault or rape to a police officer or to, to any type of authority figure. So most rapes and sexual assaults, so again, we should be thinking about, okay, so they're talking about two broad things here, um, were not reported to the police. 63% of completed rapes, now I'm, what I've seen is that they're considering that, that's what I would consider rape, is, is forced rape, but I'm going to look at it a second with you, and that's not fully accurate. It's not, you know, holding someone down and physically raping them. There's other things included in this. But but anyway, 63% of completed rapes, 65% of attempted rapes. So the question is, what constitute attempted rape? If If you count something like, I raped you with my eyes, well, that's a problem, right? Like, no, that's not, they don't say that, by the way. I'm just saying, you've got to think about these things. 74% of completed and attempted sexual assaults against females were not reported to the police. So here's the question. How did they get those numbers? Where is this 
um, where is this from, right? Like, where is the um, the actual cases in the, the study? So this is the full report. This one's 2015. You can get a whole. You can get you know look at that various ones. Um, it was revised in 2018. Again, this is a federal you know organization, U.S. Department of Justice. So. When you look through this, one thing that should pop out is that this is not just about rape. This is about violent crimes. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Feel fr- I have gone through it. Feel free to go through it, but I'm going to point out one thing. Violent crime is um, identified as rape and sexual assault. And in 2014, of, you know, in the nation, that they, you know, they're claiming um, 284,350 uh, people were uh, raped or, or sexually assaulted. Now, it says go to B. So, again, what I'm encouraging you to do is before you start spreading this as truth, start being skeptical. And I hope that by the end of this, I start, I kind of convince you to be at least skeptical, even if you don't believe me. Uh, BGS has initiated projects examining collection methods of self-report data on rape and sexual assault. So, (laughs) again, you're starting to get indication that uh, maybe there's something wrong here because they're, Examining collection methods. Why are they examining collection methods? What's going on here? So is this? So we're trying to ask: Are these numbers something we can repeat? Should a journalist repeat that number? A legitimate journalist. Now the watch, you know that, that Washington Post op-ed is not, but I've seen that in a variety of places and, and things of that nature in a variety of places. Now I want to point out um, the next thing that I did and this in looking into this is. I wanted to see, okay, so since they're, they are doing a self, you know, methodolog- they're studying methodolo- methodology and how they're doing it, is there anybody else who's looking into it? And it turns out there are a lot of organizations looking into how they collect data, how the, the F- uh, Bureau of Justice Statistics is collecting data. How are they doing? Is it, op- is it uh, uh, appropriate? So the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine, the National Academies Press, they put out like 200 books a year, and they, they do a lot of these intense um, you know, studies and investigations, and they found potential errors in National Crime Victimization Survey. So the very survey we're talking about that everybody is quoting, we have nine, um, you know, this one is, is um, nine poten- like major problems in it. And they're not minor problems. These are major problems to the point where I will say this. The whole study, all the quotes, all the numbers are completely fabricated. 100% false. Cannot trust them. Not even a little bit. They're, they're just ridiculously misleading. Because, again, when you read this here, a review of the research by the National blah, blah, blah shows about 63% of sexual assaults are never reported nationwide. Now, let's look at, um, again, 95, you know, on college campuses, 95% do not report. And again, they're pulling it all from the same place. So the question is, how are these things being consolidated? Oh, you got this plane above me. Or, or um, explained. So here is a... So here's one thing I'm going to read for you. Again, I'll put quotes or I'll put um, links to all these things in the uh, document below or in the comments below. So the latter could be affected by the mode of data collection and interviewer gender. So when we're talking about some of the problems with it, um, 
measurement error associated with the questionnaire, the Delata, these are problems. Data collection mode, interaction between questioners and respondents. These in issues included include comprehensive of key questions of respondents' willingness to answer certain questionnaires. The latter could be affected by mode of data collection and interviewer gender. The continu there continues to be inadequate training of interviewers and monitoring of the interviews on the NCVS. <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> inadequate training of interviews and, mo and inadequate monitoring of the interviewer and interviewers themselves. So when you read into this, when you look at the problems with the study, there, there's a lot of problems. But one problem is that we don't know what they're doing in there. We don't know what they're saying. We can't, you cannot find, and if someone can find it, please send it to me, but you cannot find the questions that they're asking, the order they're asking it, the tone of voice they're asking, who they're talking to, you know, like, so for instance, one of the problems with having this crap based on an ideology is that rape and sexual assault could be way worse than we even imagined, but they're not doing a good enough job, you know, actually doing the methodology, so we don't know. Now, the problem is that they're saying, oh, it is really bad. Here's the proof. The proof is bullshit because the methodology is horrible. And now we're supposed to just believe it. You know, because the alternative is that if you make a claim, the majority of women do not report rape. You have to ask, well, is it possible? Here's the big question. Is it possible that the reason they do not report it is because it did not happen. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, it's possible. But they don't want to hear that answer because, again, ideologically they're pushing that they have to stop this rape and they're, they're basing their whole belief system in the philosophy we talked about earlier. Okay, so here, I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll give you a brief synopsis of the first, um, you know, a couple of these real quick. So here are the four major, in this chapter of this book, on this uh, national crime thing, <laughs> survey, national crime victimization survey, here are the four things they, four, in this chapter they're, they're going to be talking about, obstacles to high quality estimates. Number one, a sample design that is inefficient for measuring these low incidence events. So just to give you an example, when you look at the NCVS, the National Crime Victimization Survey, you'll find that they're, they're, do, they're doing surveys. So they're asked, like a survey is I go up to you at the clipboard. In this case, they're going to people's houses that are randomly selected and there's like a whole you know, way that they go about it, which can be legitimate, I think. But they go in there, they ask certain questions. And then, but the questions are not just about rape. So it's about a whole bunch of things. And it turns out that rape and sexual assault is only 1% of this. And when you look at the numbers, when you take away the percentages, we're talking about, you know, um, May, you know, like the number that we saw before was 285,000 for eight years, right? And that's an estimate based on a survey. Now, the question is, how many people do they, they interview? The, the, the survey is 77,000 households. 77,000 households. Out of 150 million women, out of 350 or 320, you know, how many, whatever the population, million humans. So the first problem that they're saying is that the, the, um, in the con, you know, in this, what they're trying to get, the act, you're trying to do a case study to get stats on all possible rapes in America and get an, at least some kind of average, um, look at that. They're saying that you're doing too much, too small of a case study. Like it's just inefficient to, to you know, given the mass um, 
population we have to look at a small this small of a portion you'd have to do i don't know the numbers but you know to make this accurate you'd have to do something like in the millions probably uh, to actually survey them to get an accurate approach but that's just the first problem the second problem is the context of crime that defines the survey which i'm going to let you look into that um you know again one of the things they do is that this is part of a whole slew of questions and rape and sexual assault is just one of them. But here's the problem, the third problem, a lack of privacy for respondents in completing the survey. So this could mean pressure comes in either direction. Pressure could come to say that something was wrong when there wasn't. Pressure could come to hide the truth. You know, if you're in a respondent and the, you're a woman and the interviewer is a man, you could feel intimidated and not want to answer. So, again, the point is that this whole thing is inadequate. It could be worse. It could be better. Um, the, the, third, the fourth one, the use of words with ambiguous meaning for key measures in the questionnaire. And that one, for me, is the big one. Like, that, to me, besides the inefficient, you know, questions, why I don't trust studies, because you can't ask 77,000 households random crappy questions that are inappropriate for the context of what you're trying to accomplish and say that this is the facts. This is all of rape. But, um, you know, if you look into what they're talking about, you know, I'll just give you one last example here and then we'll kind of finish up. Where was it? Not down here. So here, this comes from the actual, um, remember this is the actual report criminal victimization report that you can get. This is Department of Justice. This is legit. Go get it yourself to see what I'm talking about. This is what it actually is saying, that this is how they define rape and sexual assault, which, remember, they're putting together. They're saying that these are the same thing. So here's rape. Rape is the unlawful penetration of a person against the will of the victim. Okay, that is rape. With use or threatened use of force. Okay, I would say that's rape. Or attempting such an act. Okay, wait a second. So how do you define what do you mean by attempting it again? So you're putting in attempted, you know, it's like saying attempted murder is the same thing as murder. Well, they're not the same thing. Like conclusion, completion of the act is probably worse than attempting it. Now attempting it's horrible and the person should do, a, you know, I would say if the person was caught attempting rape, that person should go to jail. There should be crime, but it should not be the same as, I think it shouldn't be the same as actually completing the rape. Because the question would be, well, why didn't they complete it? Maybe they got a hold of themselves and ran away and were sad that they did it and they apologized profusely and they were mistaken. And maybe that person did harm and should go to jail for that. But that's not the same thing as rape. Okay, but let's keep going. Rape includes psychological coercion and physical force. Okay, and forced sexual intercourse means vaginal, anal, or oral penetration by the offender. Okay, rape also includes incidents where penetration is from a foreign object, e.g., a bottle. Okay, victimizations against male and female victims, and both heterosexual and homosexual rape. Attempted rape includes verbal threats of rape. So this is what I was getting at before. So when we're talking, when they're saying that rape, what is considered rape in this study is not only actual physical forcing, uh, you know, of a penis into a vagina, a, you know, holding a woman down, tying her down, you know, doing horrible things and then forcing sex upon her uh, or rape. You can't even call it sex. But the, the thing that they're including in this, you know, uh, 
or attempting such an act is attempted rape includes verbal threats of rape. So I'm going to rape you, bitch. That's rape. No, I'm sorry. That is not rape. And, you know, so a woman can come in and, and you know, so if you go to this survey and you ask this question and you, you mark off, well, yeah, that's happened to me. That's horrible. I hate it. I can't believe you did that. We broke up. It's like, no, that's not, I'm sorry. That's not rape. That's just not rape. I mean, we got to be talking about the same thing here. And if we're going to be saying that these horrible things are happening, we need to be saying, so I, I'm fine with having a category or studying the number of attempted verbal threats or the verbal threats of rape on women. I, I'm, I think that's a legitimate thing. Like, fine, go do that study. But do not conflate it with actual physical rape because you're degrading the whole thing you're trying to accomplish. We cannot trust you when you make those claims. So, now, remember what I showed you before, the rape and sexual assault are combined together. So how is sexual assault defined? Sexual assault is defined across a wide range of victimization, separate from rape or attempted rape. These crimes include attacks or attempted attacks generally involving unwanted sexual contact between a victim and offender. Sexual assault may or may not involve force and includes grab, grabbing and fondling. So now we're getting something where fondling and grabbing are also sexual assault. Well, that's going to increase the number. Now, here's my point. <clears throat> we're, we're looking at all these articles that are claiming, you know, 63% of sexual assaults are never reported. 95% are never reported. False rape allegations are, and when you look at like this, this article by The Cut, You'll say that nobody falsely accuses. How do they know this? Well, they're saying that 95% or you look at these other numbers, like the vast majority of cases are not brought, you know, uh, reported. So if you take that and then they have another study, which you can look into is also kind of false or is at least misleading quite, quite honestly, or quite a lot. When you look at that and then you're saying, okay, so they, they have one study that says, well, about 8% of people um, are falsely accused of rape, or they, this one uses 5%. So 5% of actual rape uh, is false. So the woman recants, the woman goes back, and then, of course, they say, well, there's many reasons. That doesn't mean the rape didn't happen, which is true. By the way, that's true. But let's think about this for a second. So they're saying rape allegations, a woman accuses a man of rape, and she, uh, it's just, let's say it's brought to be false 5% of the time. But that's only of the reported cases. So if you take all the unreported cases, then, you know, they're saying that it's something like 0.5% are of, um, here it is right here. Um, obviously only those rapes that are reported in the first place can be considered falsely reported. So that 5% figure only applies to 10% at most of rapes that occur. So in other words, they're saying that they're, that people who are looking at the 5% of false accusations and the 95% or 63% of reported cases, they're applying them in different contexts. So if you apply how many, you know, if you look at only the reported cases and then you look at all the false accusations within that, it's only 0.5%. But where are they getting that number? Again, for the last time, they're getting it from the national... Um, the Bureau of Justice Statistics where'd it go and the National uh, Criminalization Victimization National Victimization 
report. I cannot get this for some reason. National Crime Victimization Survey, which is the same thing. And this, you know, I'm going to end with this. You should be very suspicious of all studies. That's not to say that you should never trust or take or learn from a study or a stat or research or a scientific article. But it is to say that this plane above me is very loud. (laughs) But it is to say that you have to be careful before you start to spread the word. Because here's the truth about news, past and present, is you, your mind, and what you say are on the water cooler to your friends while you're smoking a doobie, you know, while you're on a bus, yeah, I'm talking to you, talking to your friends, and you're spreading some kind of stat, and you're saying, stat this, stat that, and it's not accurate, then you are perpetuating those, you know, let's say you have eight people listening to you. Well, six of those people believe that, believe the quote, oh, 95% of uh, college students, don't, college women don't report rape? Oh my gosh, this is an epidemic. We're all going to be dying. But that's that number is pulled out of thin air. They're surveying 77,000 people. That's not accurate. It's just complete bullshit. So, again, if I have said anything wrong or inaccurate, please let me know. I do th- I do think we need to be talking about this issue. That it's important to talk about it. But it's hard to have this conversation when we're not talking about the same thing. And people are conflating the the issue, saying that, you know, uh, fondling is rape. And fondling is not something you should be doing, but it's not rape, period. And then we have hundreds of these articles. I mean, this was not an, this is in the Washington Post, but you see the New York Times, you see, you know, uh, Fox, you see everybody quoting, maybe not Fox, but you see everybody, uh, you know, CNN quoting these kinds of things over and over again, because they're getting it from the federal government. Federal government's not fucking omniscient. It's not a god. It's a stupid organization. (laughs) It's not a good way to look at things. And maybe they're right about some things and wrong about others. You have to use your mind. And that's why I'll end by saying I really think you should read all five of these. Take the time. The, the, The articles are a little bit longer, but it's worthwhile. Because one of the statements that I really like that Dr. Bayer says is, the fault, dear readers, is not in our social media but in ourselves. So he's referring to fake news. That fake news is able to happen. It's perpetuated. It spreads. It's damaging. Not because, you know, some stupid journalist or Russian bot created it, and it's the fault of that Russian bot. The fault, dear readers, is not in our social media, but in ourselves. Train yourself to learn how to have a good nose for the news. Thank you.